Um, okay, uh, right off the bat, let me uh, let me share a few uh, let me share a few principles uh, with you that I'm hoping we can integrate into our business model here at the podcast. Uh, just a, just a few notes I took um, before we started recording. Number one. Our business is change. You got that? Okay. That's yeah, that's yeah. the business. I already knew that before we did the first episode. Good. But... Okay. We're of one mind. Number two, we're on offense all the time. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, some people play some defense, some offense, some people just play defense. We're on offense all the time. Perfect results count. Not a perfect process. Break the rules. Fight the law. <laughs> You're not saying anything. So I'll just assume you agree with that. Uh, this is as much about battle as about business. <laughs> Well, okay. I, I also have some principles I go by. Uh, sex is like money. Only too much is enough. Uh, one who marries for sex alone will have bad days and good nights. Good girls go to heaven and bad girls go everywhere. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip a few here. Uh, you know, I, I, These are still a work in progress, but a number nine I got here is it won't be pretty. Okay. It won't be pretty. It won't be pretty. And I I, I like my rules better than yours. <laughs> it, so it won't be pretty, I suspect, because uh, our movie for this week, welcome back to Michael and us, by the way. I'm Luke Savage, is always with me. Uh, Will Sloan. <laughs> so, and we are the gods of business. That's right. We are the titans of we, making we deals. We close every single deal. I said to Will before, we're going to close this episode. Don't accept no for an answer. Yeah. This is war. And, you know, there's nothing I love in a movie more than a literary adaptation. And we just saw a movie that was based on a poster that hung up in my high school classroom that said, shoot for the moon. Even if you miss, you'll land among the stars. It was based on that poster and they managed to make a whole movie out of it. Well, <laughs> to return to principle number nine here, I say it won't be pretty because this is a this is another kind of official entry into the canon of Michael and us at the movies. Uh, we've done a few of these and they're fun. We, we actually go we go to see something in theaters and then we try our best as we're walking over to the studio from the theater to not say anything because we just want to save all the all the energy. And this time, I mean, there have been there have been I think two movies that have really tested us, you know. This is a battle after all. It's not a business. Uh, or is that is that what it is? Yeah, no, it's a business it, and a battle. Yeah. <laughs> Both are equally true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, there are two films that have really tested us uh, when we've done this uh, particular kind of experiment. One was Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, which was literally like a fever dream and I was just like disassociated as we were walking back. Um, this is before we had a studio, you know. This is when we were recording at Will's old place, before we settled in at Gore Lieberman headquarters. But uh, this film was the other one. I would say this actually tested me even more than Rise of Skywalker. Not because it was like a fever dream that I found kind of, yeah, like disjunctive or anything like that. But just because I feel like, oh, there's just like so much to talk about. This, this is like a perfect movie for our podcast. I'm so glad you suggested it. So the movie is called Air. It is the new directorial effort by Ben Affleck. I'm going to build a shoe line around one guy. Who's the player? Michael Jordan. I've never had a feeling like this. For a rookie who's never set foot on an NBA court. I found him. Who's that? Jesus? Can't afford him. There's nothing cool about Nike. Are you trying to ruin your career? I believe in you. A shoe is just a shoe. Until my son steps into it. Air. We did R. And I was very excited about this movie for a couple of reasons. First of all, 
I hoped that I would enjoy it unironically. You know me. I love the movies. I love movie stars. I love stories. Uh, I love entertainment. I love something that takes my mind off my troubles for two hours. And this movie hit certain of those buttons. I would not say I respected this movie, but uh, uh, we got a we got a working piece of machinery here. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So you know, as I said, it's not going to be pretty because we're in a movie theater. You know, we can't make notes. We didn't stop by at the writers' room beforehand to script this episode. Uh, we're not talking about anything else off the top. We're diving in because it's perfect results that count, not a perfect process. Let's do it. Air. Let's go. Amen. Always be closing. Now, secondly, this is one of those movies that comes to theaters with a certain air about it that's like <laughs> isn't it so great that they're still making these kinds of movies you is know? that this is news to me yeah explain unpack that a you, little you bit don't, for me and the listeners you don't follow the movie business like i do but this is the first no, will will loves movies i love movies this is the first production of matt damon and ben affleck's new production company where they are focusing on you know the kinds of movies that they should still make you know mid-level <laughs> Movies for adults. How they tell stories, goddamn Stories, it. you know, not none of this superhero <laughs> business. You know, serious movies. And so I want to support that, of course. And the third reason why I was excited for it uh, was after seeing the trailer, I kept squinting at the screen looking for, okay, what are the stakes here? And here we are two hours later, and I... I'm still not certain okay. what the what the right. stake why why I was supposed to why I was led along <laughs> okay. on this journey. All right, okay, this is a good way into the movie here. Okay, so folks, what this film is is this is you know this is a story about it's it's an app this is an epic. I'm sorry, it's going to take a few tries here. This is an epic sports drama movie about uh, without the sports, yeah, which is no which is the creative thing. You know, you know it's, the thing you like about sports. Yeah, it's not, it's not in it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's about something so sports, much more sports. important. <laughs> yeah, capitalism. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sports, sports is kind of a structuring absence okay, in you this like, movie. You like Michael Jordan, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you don't get to see well, him. Okay, well, we'll get to that. I have some thoughts on that. But okay, we need, we need, we. we we don't. Want to, we can't get too ahead of ourselves here. This is a movie about a scrappy little company called Nike. That, that <laughs> it was a mere that, number three. They only had seventeen percent of the basketball shoe market in the United States. They were only making billions of dollars. <laughs> they were second to Converse and Adidas. Well, to be fair, the film does they make it third. seem. Yeah, they were third. Yeah, right. Well. Second only to those Listen, two. We're, but... we're not. We're not. We're not the math podcast. <laughs> yeah, we're the always be closing podcast. But this is this is why we're not. We don't have a head for business because they got to think about numbers over there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, this is a movie where you get to see like right out right at the beginning what the market shares for the basketball shoes of these three companies are. Adidas and Converse. You know, Adidas is top dog. Converse is a is a close second, and um, a little company no one's ever heard of. A scrappy little uh, startup company called Nike is behind. Now what's amazing is the stakes are not even about like shoes in general because Nike as far as you can tell and as far as you can tell in the movie actually has like a huge stake in like the running shoe market and stuff. This is just the shit. They're just third in basketball shoes. Right. So they're third in like a micro genre of shoes. They are already a shoe <laughs> yeah. juggernaut. Yeah, that's where the populist narrative comes from is just within the parochial orbit of basketball shoes in particular. However, <laughs> yeah. they are not a cool brand. <laughs> yeah. They are 
they're a brand associated with jogging. Yeah, function. Within the company, they have a small basketball division led by Matt Damon. I'm not going to bother looking up what the character's name was. And <laughs> most basketball players are going with the other two brands. Uh-huh. And Phil Knight, played by Ben Affleck, you know the top dog. You guys have seen the big one. He, he also he, he also uh, he also produced this along with Damon. So it's a real Citizen Kane type situation. <laughs> yeah, it's a real. Uh, what's the movie Mr. Burns made? <laughs> <laughs> you know he is answering to the board, and they are saying, "Why do we have the basketball division? They're selling penny stocks over there. They're just they're giving away basketball shoes to you know amateur college athletes." And uh, Matt Damon is there saying, "You got to give me the good leads. These are dog shit leads. You know what? I'll, I'll be back." <laughs> You know, he's he's Shelly the Machine Levine over yeah, here. Yeah, if you just if you just give me the good leads, I I will be yeah. back on a hot streak. Yeah, yeah. There's so much of that shit in this movie. These like, you know, in business, you got to take risks. Sometimes you got to roll a hard six if you want to close the deal. So anyway, they have a minuscule basketball budget and Matt Damon's job is on the chopping block. That's another that's, I guess, the other stake of the movie. Matt well, Damon, who I think. We know very little about him except that he's the basketball guy at the company. Yeah, he's got some like divorced guy energy. I think that's alluded to. I mean, to be fair, I think it's more than just, you know, his own role at the company. It kind of seems like he'd be fine. He'd just get a job somewhere else. But it's like it's that the board of directors that Ben Affleck's character is kind of like placating. It's kind of. Yeah, he's trying to placate them. They might want to just close the shoe, uh, you know, the, the basketball shoe division uh, entirely. So those are the stakes. And then there's one further emotional stake that's added later that we might as well talk about now okay so there are a couple of people on matt damon's team there's chris tucker who who does something yes, and uh, and i was happy to see chris tucker you know well, me i love the, chris the tucker. reason chris tucker is in the movie uh we we learned in the in the research for this episode all the research, all the research what a grand did. word yeah look it's not the process it's the result that counts now we learned that uh you know while he well michael jordan did not actually participate in the making of this movie ben affleck i guess went to see him and uh obtained his blessing and then i, I guess jordan had a few suggestions he wanted uh viola davis to play his mom which she does yeah yeah, fair enough. And he wanted various people, I guess, who were friends of his portrayed in the movie, one of whom I believe was the Chris Tucker character. But apparently uh, Ben Affleck cast Chris Tucker because uh, Michael Jordan wanted Howard White, the vice president of Nike's Jordan brand, who's a friend of his, I guess, wanted the character represented the film. And it, on Wikipedia, it says this directly led to Affleck casting Tucker with whom he had long wanted to work. I think I think that rules, by the way. Because... Get me Chris Tucker on the phone. Well, you know, Chris Tucker, I love him. You love him. You'd be lying if you said you didn't love him. And I love that he's only in one movie every 10 years. So if he was in more, I might get a little tired of him. The other key member of the team is Jason Bateman as the marketing guy. And uh, the stakes are that he's divorced. He only gets to see his daughter once a week and he brings her free Nike shoes every week. And if this deal doesn't go through, he loses his job and his daughter by consequence. Well, because she likes the shoes and he won't be able to keep getting free shoes together. And uh, again, I don't want to get lost in the weeds here, but you may you may be thinking this is a movie about Nike. What about the sweatshop labor? What about the one thing you know about Nike? Well, which let's is, not get down into the weeds here. Which is, yeah, the one thing you know about Nike, which is that they employ brutal sweatshop labor. Uh, well, you should know that that is dealt with in two lines, <laughs> two sentences where Jason Bateman says words to the effect of, you know, I, I should probably feel uh, ambivalent about uh, the, the Taiwanese labor we use, but uh, 
But let me tell you, my daughter gets a <laughs> Nike. Yeah, that it's actually it's impressive how little is it. I like it. I was expecting them not to say it at all, <laughs> yeah. but just to bring it up for one sentence and then lead into Jason Bateman's heart wrenching story about his divorced guy issues is incredible. So anyway, that's the team, and they are on the chopping block if things don't turn around for the basketball division. Now Matt Damon is trying to figure out how do we turn this around, and he thinks we have to go bold. We have to reach for the stars, and we have to bet the farm on somebody who, you know, we've seen the tape. He's a rookie. He's the third pick in the NBA draft that year. They're all sitting around. There's a scene where they've got a list of everyone who's been drafted or like the top 50 or whatever. And they're like, okay, who can we get? None of them think they can get the top three. So they don't think they can get Jordan. And the plan is let's get three mediocre players. And like, let's just try to kind of hold steady. But, you know, Matt Damon, he's a bit of a risk taker. He doesn't play by the so-called rules. And he's got other ideas, folks. So he sees Michael Jordan. He's running the tape. He's saying, look at that shot he made. This kid is going all the way. This kid is a supernova. We should spend the entire advertising budget on him. Now, if there is anything interesting about this story, it is that. Mm -hmm. They bet the whole farm on this one rookie and it paid off right. uh, magically. Right. And I think this is really key to the Matt Damon character and to kind of the, uh, you know, the ideology of the film, if you want. Because the film really beats you over the head with the fact that, like, look, Matt Damon is a fan, okay? He really thinks about the game. There's these scenes where we see him at home where they're, like, you know, Matt Damon, like, Rocky montages, except instead of running up the steps and, like, breaking eggs into a cup, you know, he's, he's breaking rogs into a cup, and then he's just watching, like, VHS tapes that say, like, you know, Barkley, Jordan, whatever. And, yeah, he's... He's just like watching all this basketball footage for as long as he needs to until he has the revelation. He also has a bunch of tapes with advertising campaigns from other companies. And I guess there's a famous one that he watches, which is presumably real, where it's some tennis star advertising a racket. And from that, he sort of draws the idea, which I guess in the world of advertising was considered innovative at the time, where instead of associating the product with the celebrity, you build the product, you know, from the celebrity in some way. And so that's what he comes up with for Michael Jordan. It's like, we're not hiring him to wear our shoes. We're going to create a whole line of shoes around this guy. And a shoe is nothing until the man steps in it. Uh, we are going to get some of his stardust as he ascends. Now, I said at the beginning that I was looking for the stakes of this movie. And actually, as you've been talking, I realized there are a lot of stakes. They're all just like <laughs> stupid stakes. The, the stakes of this movie, you know what it reminds me of? Is it reminds me of Steven Spielberg's The Post, where the stakes are ostensibly one thing, but they're actually something far more trivial. Like the stakes of The Post are not actually about whether the story gets broken. It's about whether a specific legacy newspaper, or rather whether a specific heiress at a specific legacy newspaper has the courage to publish right. this particular story. But, but actually, story. it's quite different because in that, there are at least ostensible stakes. <laughs> Whereas in this, it is it is merely about... <laughs> well, merely, which shoe company yeah, is going to... Yeah, like, yeah, like, like <laughs> there's nothing in there for me. <laughs> but one of the manifold trivial stakes in this movie is, does Nike get to rediscover and retain what its true identity is, which is that they are uh, disruptors. <laughs> they right. They are the bad boys of business. <laughs> you know, we learned that Phil Knight, when he was launching this company with just some leather and some uh, shoelaces and a dream, was selling his little sneakers outside the back of a van or whatever. And he built it up to, you know, the third biggest basketball <laughs> shoe company in the world. And like one of just the biggest shoe yes. companies in the world. And now the he, little engine that could. And now like Rocky three, he's getting complacent. Uh, he's resting on his laurels and he's being cowed by the board, the unseen 
scene board. And Matt Damon is here to say, rediscover what Nike is all uh-huh. about. It's about breaking the rules. It's about being where the shot is going to be, not where the shot <laughs> That's is. That's right. Yeah. You know? So will <laughs> Phil Knight rediscover his mojo and, and take Nike to the, to, to, the, to the next millennium? And I would say the main kind of catalyst for him doing so is the fact that Matt Damon convinces him. And why is Matt Damon able to convince him? Because he's a fan, because he understands the sport. So this is a big part of the way the movie tells the story. It's like, fundamentally, this is about heart. It's not a business, this is not a business deal at all. It's more than that. That's right. <laughs> Even though it's just a business deal. Now, act two is spent on kind of the pursuit of George, just getting in the room. <laughs> there are a lot of obstacles that Matt Damon has to overcome to get to Jordan, because Jordan, we hear, hates Nike. He hates Nike so much. If there's one message that comes across in act two of this movie, it's that Michael Jordan would spit on a pair of Nikes if he could. (laughs) All of his friends say he loves Adidas. He wears the Converse on the court, but then the second he's off the court, he's putting on his Adidas and Adidas is coming with a state-of-the-art offer. Yeah, they're going to offer him a Mercedes or something. And one of the friendly antagonists of the film is Jordan's agent, played by Chris Messina, who is a a real (laughs) shark. And he's on the phone with Damon and doing uh, comical, profane uh, monologues saying, there's no way you're getting to Jordan. Over my dead body, you're getting to Jordan. I will I will get down on my knees and I will lick you. I will nibble your nutsack before you get to Jordan. Some real crowd-pleasing, uh, obs- obscene monologues. And so, what does Matt Damon do? He embraces the Nike ethos. He goes to where the ball is going to be. He goes around Phil Knight, he goes around Chris Messina, and he goes straight to Michael Jordan's parents' house. Now, you may think that Michael Jordan is a huge brand, but actually, he's just a normal person like you and me. Well, and he isn't a huge brand yet. He's a third-round draft pick in the NBA. Well, that's he's what a I, college star. That's that's what I'm saying. Mm. And and you may think Nike is this big, faceless, soulless <laughs> company with you know the slave labor overseas, <laughs> but in a way, he's able to connect with the Jordan family because they're both scrappy underdogs. That's right. That's right. And he goes he goes to North Carolina. He sees Papa Jordan working on one of his cars. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got the hood open. He's you know. <laughs> got the wrench and everything because listen this is the future king but his his dad is still you know still a down-home guy who's like working working the car you know fixing his own car and that's that's probably realistic though to be fair well sure but But, but you're right about the way the film deploys it i don't care what's real (laughs) i don't care what's real in this movie and then viola davis as his mother who is the brains of the operation who is the secret shark of the Mm -hmm. operation and who is the only other person in the world besides matt Damon, who fully understands her son's potential, mm-hmm. she is impressed to see a fellow shark. You know, she's impressed that this guy's come all the way mm-hmm. and is putting the agents, putting all the process aside and just <laughs> mano a mano, <laughs> yeah, yeah. eye to eye, you know, because <laughs> yeah. that's the Nike way yeah, at the and, end of the day. And what's and there's this amazing scene where they go to like the back garden or whatever, and uh, Matt Damon's strategy is basically to tell her, like, this is what the other brands are going to tell you when you and Michael and your husband sit down. The guy at Converse is going to say, I've only ever seen a few athletes like your son. The people at Adidas, they got some, you know, bullshit business spiel as well. Like, oh, he's going to be up there with Magic Johnson and and all the greats, you know, right at the start of his career, whatever. But then, you know, inevitably she asks him, okay, so what's your pitch? (laughs) And what's so great about this is the whole point of this scene 
scene is to it's supposed to establish that you know he really is different and then the crux of his pitch is i believe in your son that's right <laughs> it's just literally the exact same thing well as no what the other no what, what's different is that he believes like the other guys are saying you're one of the greats you know you're up you're you're up there with larry bird but the nike advantage is you're the great and we are going to build the whole brand around you so that's a compelling pitch and act three is now that they've got the jordan's attention act three is creating the pitch okay yeah so this is great uh you know because of course in order to have the pitch one of the things they need is you know they need a business strategy they need to have like the details of the pitch but they also need a shoe so this is where we meet uh, another great character possibly my favorite character in the film the designer uh, peter moore played by matthew marr i believe his name is who was in the movie uh funny pages last year and was quite good in that film and i liked him in this one <laughs> right. too i gotta say right so he plays this kind of basement homunculus that nike <laughs> nike keeps I, I, I like this because like nike like any good business you know you got the businessman you got the visionary and then you, you got the artist the artist is in the he's safely contained yeah, in the yeah, basement yeah, yeah. he can't be too influential <laughs> the way this is shot is so amazing like the way that it's they film matt damon getting into the elevator and then they film you know the elevator going downstairs and then they shoot him kind of this pan shot from the back as the doors of the elevator open like he's entering some kind of like profane space that you you, know, well, like you don't visit. like visiting Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, that, yeah. that's what it's like. Yeah. But, and he's the artist. Hello, Clarice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he, and he's the one who's devoted his life to making <laughs> making great shoes. And he's... Anyway, just to run through the rest of the plot, finally the day comes, the Jordan family has come, and unlike those overdogs, Adidas and Converse, Nike is still, you know, still a bit of a mom and pop operation. Not quite as slick as the others. It's, it's merely Nike at this point. It's uh, a billion dollar company. They have a kind of a ramshackle <laughs> meeting where everyone's a little bit clumsy. Chris Tucker's clumsy. Ben Affleck's clumsy. That, that's that's great. Where part of the business strategy is that people are going to be late. Like they have a plan to like neg the Jordans. That's right. <laughs> they like they use like PUA tactics on the Jordan family. And I mean, to, to be clear, this is a spoiler discussion, obviously. But you know, you guys, you guys are familiar with the Air Jordan shoe, well, right? Well, right. I mean, you're talking about the stakes of this movie. Movie, one of the reasons why there's literally no suspense in this movie is because, okay, A, it's Michael fucking Jordan, so you know that he's going to go on to be a huge star, and B, yeah, Air Jordans, you know that you know what Air Jordans are. Well, in so fairness, like... <laughs> in fairness, I mean, one of probably two movies that is the touchstone for this film, The Social Network. The other one is Moneyball. The Social Network, we know Facebook's going to become a billion-dollar company, but, well, we'll get to what's different about those <laughs> movies in a sec. You know what else it reminded me of is that movie The Founder with Michael Keaton oh, as yeah. the founder of McDonald's. I mean, that one, I think, fundamentally has... The, it's the same message as, the, as this movie. And that movie, also, a blatant bit of social network exploitation. Oh, yeah. But the thing about that film is that it represents the Michael Keaton... I mean, that film is like kind of Randian in its philosophy. It's it's saying to you, yeah, Michael Keaton is the founder of McDonald's. Yeah, he's an absolute piece of shit. But guess what? This is how many people McDonald's feeds every single day and around if, the world. If you want to make an omelet, you got to break That's a few right. eggs. That's right. I think I might like that movie more than this one. Well, though. yeah. I, no, I think I agree because yeah. the thing about this movie is, you know, at the level of ideology, it's basically the same as that. But it doesn't have kind of Randian politics. It doesn't have that kind of like, I don't know, reactionary edge to 
to it that almost kind of makes you respect it. This film is literally like an in capitalism, everybody wins kind of movie. And well, okay, the other two movies, Moneyball, what that movie's about is, listen, like it or not, the numbers don't lie. And if you follow these formulas, <laughs> you will get a winning baseball team or at least a, a team that will win to a certain point. And you can have your little sentimental ideas about the glint in the in the player's eye or this or that. But at the end of the day, if you follow the numbers, these are the results. And the social network is saying Mark Zuckerberg's a fucking asshole. Yes, he built Facebook and the Winklevoss twins didn't. Mark Zuckerberg had it in him to build Facebook. And at the end of the day, does Facebook matter? That's what those movies are saying. There's more edge to those ideas. Right. You like the social network, which is the best of all of them oh, yeah, in, a, in a walk, yeah. is also good because it's not actually heavily invested in the idea of Facebook. Mm-hmm. It's not saying Facebook was a was a great good for society. This movie ends and is like, well, isn't it isn't it <laughs> yeah. so great that we got the Air Jordan? <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, this yeah. this world would let, not let... <laughs> be better or worse without the Air Jordan. Yeah, okay, literally you got like born in the USA blasting and uh, folks, you know, Let's take a step back for the movie uh, just for a second here. I want to tell you a story. A few hundred years ago at a place called Plymouth Rock, (laughs) some scrappy little uh, upstarts created a startup nation, okay? And it was based on a very simple dream. The dream was called freedom. Few people believed in the dream, but sometimes you got to roll a hard six. Today, freedom has made 200 trillion, zillion, jillion dollars, and it's given to charity, okay? So they make it, it has empowered individuals, uh, prince and pauper alike. So they make the pitch to Jordan. And unlike a movie like Moneyball, where it's saying, follow the numbers, the numbers don't lie. This movie is saying, uh, actually, you can't depend entirely on the numbers. You actually do have to depend on the look in the guy's eye because Nike starts making the pitch. They start showing the materials. They show the video and it's all fucking shit. And Matt Damon says, oh, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. turn off the video. He turns it off. And he, he says, and he says, Michael, here's the straight shit. Shut up, Phil. I'm, tell- I'm talking to Michael. Michael, you are going to be great. You're going to be the greatest ever. You're the great. You are so great. There's a halo over your head. Every every single person in this room, when we die, will be forgotten. You'll be remembered. But here's the thing about gods. Gods fall. But then gods rise. And you, the test of being a god is to be a god and to to god 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 and myth and you are the god and you yeah. one day you will ascend yeah. and yeah, become you will god be on top of mount olympus but then it's not the test to get up to the top of mount olympus it's and the it's the test when you slide down mount olympus but we'll put you back up on mount olympus but why because you're a god when we believe in you we're we believe yeah and and hang in there hang, <laughs> like, like the cat on the tree branch on the poster in my third grade class hang in there buddy <laughs> and and together we t- i won't be a god but together we will be gods <laughs> yeah, that's right yeah and so the meeting ends <laughs> let's all be gods together and there's a period of suspense as as we wonder and you know the final the final kicker of the plot is viola davis calls matt damon and says we accept the offer but and here's the kicker michael will also take a percentage of every, all every shoe sold all gross sales mm-hmm. and why it's not for me it's not for Michael. It's for every little kid out there who ever dreamed of <laughs> yeah, being Michael. So it's good. for every little kid who who saved yeah. up their pennies and saved up a thousand yeah. of their pennies yeah, yeah. and went to the local Nike store <laughs> 
and bought one of those monstrously overpriced <laughs> fucking shoes. Yeah, to enrich some, a bunch of shareholders. Some slave made, made for twelve cents an hour some by a kid in Thailand. Slave in the Eastern Hemisphere made. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's why it's not for us. That's not yeah, for yeah. us. It's for you. Th- this is why. Uh, okay, now I'm kind of starting to think. Yeah, this is why the film is is like a little bit different from something like The Founder is because this film looks at you with a straight face. It looks you in the eye and it's like Michael Jordan getting this even cushier deal where they've already you know, they've already outbid all the other shoe companies, okay? He's already getting like this obscene amount of money. He's already getting a shoe built entirely around him and they're throwing in the Mercedes Benz that he wants. But then he's also going to make money forever for, and ever. For, yeah. He's for, making money now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, we'll, and we'll, we'll come he to that. that. That motherfucker hasn't been on the court in 25 <laughs> yeah, yeah, years yeah. and he's making money right now that's right he's making money as we record this podcast but the film looks at you straight in the eye and it's like that is redistribution you that's <laughs> yeah. your money yeah, yeah, yeah. because, because yeah. that is lighting a fire under your ass to be michael jordan one day <laughs> that's right that's right uh <laughs> absolutely incredible what should i ask you ask me why i'm in wilmington north carolina why are you in wilmington north carolina because I believe in your son. I believe he's different. And I believe you might be the only person on earth who knows it. And something we, we should talk about here is that there's, a, I suppose, an unusual stylistic choice that's made, which is that you never see Michael Jordan's face once in this entire movie. He well, is a Because it's a, not about him. He's is a it? he is a Jupiterian yeah. presence. He's up there on Mount Olympus, and you can kind of like glance at the back of his head. But, you know, you never you literally never get to see Michael Jordan's face. I mean, it sort of, it sort of works within the context of the movie. It is funny to set out with the goal of making the movie that's like it's actually not the great man biopic. It's about all these, you know, middlemen and lackeys and uh fucking exploiters and and assholes and (laughs) and to me like if if ben affleck what can you say about him love him as an actor you know you were the bomb in phantoms certainly has some talent as a director but i would not call him a visionary uh you can see it in the style of this movie where it it is at once like it indulges in a lot of like the kitschy 80s stuff you know i mean that people are playing trivial pursuit we, we have we haven't even mentioned that but honestly i mean it one of the reasons this movie was so in the wheelhouse of this podcast is that in addition to being, you know, corporate propaganda and an IP movie, uh, I mean, it's also very much a kind of 80s nostalgia movie. It opens like just right away, guns blazing with like, we're going to just fucking beat you over the head. You got money for nothing playing. You got Ronald Reagan, folks. He's in the White House. You and it's, got, it's the where's the beef. It's yeah, Beverly every, Hills Cop. Fucking Mr. T. Just every, it's just fucking bludgeoning you. And the whole soundtrack is like that. And so the movie is full of like kitsch 80s stuff, but it's also very ostentatiously supposed to look like a real movie. Mm-hmm. The whole movie looks like it's on an overcast day. Very mm-hmm. drab lighting. Very serious looking. Mm-hmm. I don't think... Personally, I don't think Affleck threads the needle of having these two competing impulses to look like a prestige, serious, real movie and also be like a wacky, kitschy 80s nostalgia fest. I don't think those two impulses work in harmony. 
I suppose if I'm being generous to Affleck, what he's doing with that opening credits is establishing like all the kitsch of the 80s, you know, so much so much of the stuff that didn't travel time and the movie is setting up like, okay, you know, where's the beef, all that shit. We're going to show you about a guy who became a god who transcended time. We don't think of Jordan as an 80s figure, you know, he transcends space and time and and we're going to show you why that's all because of Nike. I think that's what the opening is sort of announcing if, if we're being generous to Affleck. But anyway, should we get to the, um, uh, the I mean, my favorite part of the movie, the the closing, oh, man. Uh, you know, just before the credits when, you know, the text comes on screen telling us about <laughs> about what happened to all the characters. It's one thing after another of like the first year the Air Jordans sold like $150 million. Yeah, they were expecting $3 million in sales. And, you know, yeah, it was like $142 million or something in the first year. And also the sort of model, they this is so great too, the model that they pioneered, you know, pioneered, quote unquote, uh, where, you know, Jordan gets a share of the revenue. It's like that became like industry standard. And then the film tries to represent that as like, that's, that's redistribution a, That's a win as for well. the workers. Yeah, that's right. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, when these guys get like literally like a hundred million dollar contract to, to partner with like some corporation or something. Yeah, that's actually like, that's, that's trickle down economics in action, <laughs> you know? Phil Knight made billions upon billions yeah. upon billions of dollars. <laughs> but then Jordan, Jordan has made four hundred million himself in passive income passive income passive income from this one shoe like listen if <laughs> if they were smart if Affleck were smarter he would not have included that slide because I cannot fathom anybody anybody anywhere in the political spectrum looking at that and thinking oh that's good <laughs> yeah you're yeah the film presents it all as this kind of yeah it's scrappy and it's upstart and also yeah this is like this is the wealth trickling down it's it's actually more egalitarian and then you see the numbers and you're like okay 100% inheritance tax right now. Not, <laughs> like, yeah. That's not trickling down yeah. to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, 400 yeah. million of passive income. But then, <laughs> what are you talking about? He's a job creator. He's putting money into real estate speculation. That's creating jobs, oh, right? Oh, yeah. Lots of people in Thailand are <laughs> yeah, very busy yeah, working yeah. on those shoes right to, now. To be fair, I don't know how Michael Jordan spends his money. I'm sure it's very responsible. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we do know that Phil Knight spends this money responsibly because clearly in in Ben Affleck's brain, at some point, you know, a little alarm bell went off and he said, oh, wait a minute, I have to have a slide that's not just like these people made billions and billions and billions off a stupid fucking shoe. He has a slide that says Phil Knight has given over two billion dollars to charity. Now, I don't think he tells us exactly what Phil Knight's net worth is. And he also doesn't. T- I, I would like to see a breakdown. Uh, I haven't looked into this, but I'd like a breakdown of where exactly what charities that two billion dollars has gone to. Does he contribute to, you know, one of those charities that is complicit in sterilizing lower caste women in India to keep the population down? Like, you know, one of one of those charities. What are, what are the charities that Phil Knight is contributing to? Well, I do know. I don't know about charities, but I do know he's given a lot of money to various Republican candidates in Oregon. <laughs> so it does trickle down. That's great. So, um, you know, there was an interview he did just a few months ago, actually, where uh, with the New York Times, where he said that, uh, you know, Oregon's government had drifted too far to the left. He described himself as more conservative than Nike in response to criticism of uh, one of the various candidates he's backed is uh, anti-abortion. And I guess Nike responded to this controversy by donating $75,000 to both the candidate that Knight was supporting and his Democratic oh. opponent 
who what ultimately heroes. won. Yeah. And I just want to underline Matt Damon, Ben Affleck. These are your liberals, okay? These are in your elite tier, first draft, Hall of Fame, Hollywood liberals working right now. And these are the stories that they're telling. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, so a lot of the philanthropy, if you look at it, is just, he has a net worth of, of nearly $61 billion. Oh, okay. t- $2 billion? Mm-hmm. Yeah, $2 billion. He fucking spills that at a cocktail party. <laughs> yeah, yeah. According, according to the Portland Business Journal, his lifetime gifts now approach two billion. Okay, oh, now or that that was as that was that was as of twenty sixteen. A lot of the donations, like he gave one hundred and one million dollars to the Stanford Graduate School of Business, for example. <laughs> so you know, yeah, it's like that's the kind of that's the kind of stuff he's giving to. He gave more money to Stanford recently, and um, you know, it's fund some initiative at Stanford's uh, Neurosciences Institute, which studies you know cognitive cognitive uh, decline and degenerative brain disease. But yeah, I mean, he's, you know, he's giving money to giant uh, universities with multi-billion dollar endowments. So anyway, the movie overall, um, I thought it was mildly entertaining throughout. There's some funny stuff yeah, in this movie. Uh, I, I loved all the <laughs> actors. I think they all do a good job. <laughs> overall, though, I think I think my thumb is down. <laughs> and my prescription for the next kind of movie like this, and there will be another kind of movie like this, this is the template, you know, social Network and Moneyball are the go-to template for mid-budget movies for adults now. And for the next one, take the lesson from those movies that you don't actually have to think these guys are great. The story can be compelling enough. I don't also want to be told that they fucking rock and they're the gods of business. And and we should be grateful for this. You know, well, I actually disagree with you on this. Uh, I think the movie was a slam dunk, Peter Travers. <laughs> <laughs> 